What's up, fam, and welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers Podcast, episode 82. Woo! We are, <laughs> thank you, we are recording on Wednesday, January 13th, 2021, and I am one of your hosts, John Swanson. Joining me today is Chris Salty Sternum Stern. How are you, man? Sleepy Sternum this week, but I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that, man. I don't know if there's something like the barometric pressure's off or something, but like, I think I've gotten like four hours of sleep at least four times this week. So Dang. something's weird. Maybe it's all the tumult in the world today is keeping us all up. But, you know, anywho, it, I wouldn't blame anyone for struggling to sleep in these no, interesting times we're in. I wouldn't either, man. So let's talk about good things that we like and bring us joy, like video games. Uh, this week on the pod, we'll be talking about CDPR's commitment to quality. Uh, maybe a month later than they should have been committed to it, but there it is anyway. Uh, Lucasfilm Games being reincarnated and killing it with announcement, announcement, announcements. They've risen from the ashes. Yeah, like with a different one, name, I suppose. One Star Wars villain in Episode Nine might have. Yeah, it's kind of like they come back stronger than they were before they died. I don't yeah. know. I'm sure there's a movie where things do that. How cool! Uh, is, oh, how cool is it to see that Lucasfilm logo again for games? You know, it's cool, man. It's very cool. Um, and we were going to talk about some game streaming services possibly coming to a TV near you, which is very exciting, I think, for several aspects. But first, we'll do the lowdown. If you want to be part of the conversation, or if you have a pressing question, you can reach out to us at MN Gamers Podcast on Twitter. Or if you don't use Twitter, you can hit us up at podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. That is our website, mostlynormalgamers.com. And it again needs um, updating now that Angie is on board with us and awesome and killing it. So go check our website out before, um, you know, if you want to be one of those people that says, I saw it when it was like this. Yeah, you, you got to get the limited edition look sure. to the old version before it's gone. Yeah, take a screenshot to prove it, prove <laughs> that you've been there. Do you think, <laughs> can we like complete sidebar? Do you think yeah. people would ever use like the Wayback Machine or like the Internet Archives to look at old versions of the Mostly Normal Gamers podcast <laughs> website? No, no, I, I got to do it. I got to be the first one. <laughs> do you, Are we archived? I got to know. I don't know. Sorry, complete sidetrack, but it's on my mind now. Yeah, well, you can let us know in the future about the past. Also at this website, you can sign up for our newsletter, Mostly Normal Monthly, or go to mngamers.substack.com, and there you can find back ep- or back uh, issues of the newsletter and the current newsletter. So now that we're done with that, you want to talk about what we're playing? You want me to go first? Do you want to go first? I I can jump in. I I um I the game time has been a little limited lately, but I finally surpassed the barrier that is Doom Eternal blocking me from checking out other games. Um I I beat that game over the weekend and there are just some fights at the end of this game, John. I don't know how did you play much of it when it came yeah, out? Yeah, I finished it. Did you play it on like, I think it's like Hurt Me Plenty is kind of their version of like normal or whatever. Oh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> okay. I played it on the easiest setting humanly possible and it was still incredibly difficult. 
there was there were fights in this game that I kid you not took me an hour and forty five minutes to clear one yeah. point. Dude, that was kind of the thorn in my side with that game. It was one of those games where I got more angry with it than I was actually enjoying it. Like it was just frustrating me. So um yes. yeah, it was tough. It elicited a lot of anger out of me, um, but it was that motivating anger where it's like, oh, I just like, I know I can get it. Like, I yeah. know I can get it. And yeah, you're always so close. Yeah. Like, except for when you're really not so close, like there was, <laughs> there's the fight that took me an hour and 45 minutes is like maybe the last checkpoint before the final boss. So, and- yeah, I totally hear you there. That game like goes in stages. You, so you approach an area there's enemies. You jump down there. You maybe kill a few before you die and get an idea of where they're coming from and the layout. And then you try about 45 more times to, before you can actually kill them and they stop respawning. And then you still don't get them all because one kills you from behind like two times. Yeah, and then yeah. you finally beat it by complete luck and, cer- and chance. So for me, the lesson that I learned in that last room before the final boss is they really wanted me to use the power weapons that they put in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it was like, are you using the BFG correctly to clear like a ton of these enemies out? Are you using, I don't remember what the, you know, in lore universe name of the sword that's like a guaranteed one hit kill is, but like it took every one of those resources thrown at it before I cleared it. And my, like the thing that I liked about the first doom is I always felt like the gunplay was so, so tight and like every weapon just felt awesome to use. And I don't feel like it's rewarding to just be like, you need to use the room clearing power weapon. You need to use the instant kill sword. Like that doesn't feel like I'm playing the game the same way that if, if I was like to use a shotgun and I, that's a me problem, I think, but it, I'm just happy to have it over with. I think the final boss fight was all, I think I, I dumped like an hour into the first half of the final boss fight too. Yeah. We're clearing it. And like, I think if I remember right, it took me a while to figure out exactly what they expected me to do with all the phases of the final boss fight. Needless to say it, um, falls short of like my love for doom 2016 in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it's pacing problems and a a lot of it is like just not balanced, but it, or it's like balanced on such a razor fine edge of like failing those 99 times, then only ever winning on the a hundredth, you know? Yeah. And I felt like in doom 2016, you got to a point where you felt powerful and even though the game was still hard and required like you to decide, oh, wait, I need to kill this enemy this way so that I can get more life or more armor or more ammo. And this game still does this, does that. But it adds so many more facets that make it more difficult and not as enjoyable as 2016, in my opinion. Yes, I there's a very delicate like life cycle to the way that you kill certain enemies to get ammo or health in doom 2016. And that life cycle is disrupted in this game. Yeah. Um, But there, there was like a stretch where I just like was like playing like multiple levels in a row in a row. 
maybe two weeks ago. And I got into that flow state and like really felt like things were firing on all cylinders. And I felt like I found the levels that I thought were designed really well and were really fun. And like this game does have that in it. And alternatively, I think some of the platforming stuff is fun. It just like kills the pacing. Mm -hmm. And I just like, it just feels like it's missing like that secret sauce, that magic secret ingredient that like made 2016 the the spectacular game that it is like one of my favorite single player shooters in years yeah i i completely agree with you i i'm not sure exactly what it was it felt like they tried to change too much about what they did with 2016 that made it so special yeah and that in turn kind of ruined it in my opinion but apparently a lot of other people liked it as it was still like at the top of a lot of people's game of the year list and i think even on the official uh game awards it was in the five nominated yeah it was it was one of the big ones that had the tip of the hat for the game of the year nom from them (laughs) Um, (laughs) the other game that i just stuck a toe back into is um sekiro on my xbox series x through backwards compatibility um and i i'm doing something wrong because I lost, you know, I, I should have just stuck to it immediately after finishing Jedi because I think I would have been more in that headspace. But um, the deep focus on getting cleared through Doom Eternal, I think, took away any skill that I would have been able to transfer over. Um, so it feels a little bit like I'm starting fresh, but I'm like, you know, several checkpoints in at this point. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to have to see how that goes. But the gameplay still feels like tight as hell. And yeah definitely like an environment that i want to keep exploring but it might be too hard for my feeble feeble mind yeah it's it's hard man it's real hard i i feel like at each of the countering like timing for the counter moves that you have to do is requires perfection as it does with most from software games so that shouldn't come as a surprise but mm-hmm. it feels like each time you make progress with one type of enemy it completely changes the type of enemy you encounter um and then <laughs> again as in with other from software games one mistake or one faulty counter you're done like that's all there is to it yeah but and you can't farm uh, in that game you can't farm for like health and stuff like that i want to master a souls like like i need to find the one that i like commit myself to and like i'm trying to start 2021 with a souls like growth mindset and like i really think these are games that i can learn to get better at and i can grow in mastery for and i'm wondering if part of that's just gonna have to be like look you're watching some walkthroughs you're watching some tutorials like you're you know reading faqs on game facts or something (laughs) Um, i think watching a let's player something like that alongside it. I thought about doing that with like Bloodborne and stuff uh, is certainly helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely takes a lot more time or you could have our homeboy Jake Sherpa you through it. I bet he's dominated it. <laughs> I um, might have to hit up, have Jake, uh, if he's willing to take me up that mountain step yeah. by step, <laughs> checkpoint by checkpoint. Or maybe <laughs> he knows where to find me. Exactly. Write in and let us know in what order they are difficult, the From Software games. Like, what's the hardest to the easiest? I'm sure there's an opinion piece out there, but yeah. to, to the you know, Chris, I'm pretty sure it's 
Sekiro is the hardest. Yeah. My, um, a new coworker of mine is like, he like says he can speed run dark souls one <laughs> and like apparently has beaten all of the souls born games. And he's like, yeah, Sekiro is the hardest. Like, yeah. Up. Yeah. And he's like, but if you figure Sekiro out, then you'll just be able to parry in all of the other games. And I was like, well, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what have you been playing, John? I'm curious to hear. Oh, well, I'm playing AC Valhalla still. I think I'm like, I'll look while I'm talking. Um, but I finished like the main story, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Is this uh, the like unpronounceable brother storyline that AJ was alluding to? Sigurd. Oh, not Sigurd. Is Sigurd just the name of the brother? Yeah. He must have finished um, some other storyline or something. Oh, no, he finished that one. Yeah, no, it's okay. that one. You can't pronounce any of the names in this game, man. It's like <laughs> Winchestershire and stuff like that. It's, shouldn't, you know, that Worcestershire sauce everybody puts on meat. Worcestershire sauce. Longer? That's like every game or every. Every uh, word is Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> <laughs> More or less, minus the sauce. Shouldn't we as like hardy viking midwesterners like wisconsin and minnesota be the people who can pronounce these words you would think so but, but even apparently on- there's saxon <laughs> words so and then but much like uh odyssey and origins it has there's a completionist storyline to encourage you to complete the entire thing so it keeps going like i haven't seen credits or anything so the main story keeps going and then there's kind of a mythological side story that is also continuing much like what was in Odyssey but in Odyssey they were paid DLC here they are free just baked into the game. Yeah, and it's That's just wild. I think it's yeah. so cool that they're dipping into that kind of like more mythology based stuff in the more yeah. recent Assassin's Creed games like that's more likely to draw me into one of those games than if it's just like strict historical like playgrounds, if that makes sense. Exactly. I'm completely with you. And I think it's so cool that they just decided, hey, what the hell? We'll just include it for free. Like, I'm sure there's uh, maybe going to be paid DLC, but I just find it pretty fascinating that they included all this stuff where for nothing like just with the $40 I paid for the game just um, the most generous game of all time <laughs> exactly and I mean a lot of people I know there's a discussion of like it doesn't value your time which I think comes up pretty frequently with the more recent Assassin's Creed games but I feel like if you're gonna play two games a year one game a year like and you like action adventure RPGs like this is definitely in your wheelhouse for the people who aren't recording video game podcasts. <laughs> yes, exactly. I've played it for 87 hours and 41 minutes. Holy moly. Yeah, and I'm not, I mean, I'm, I probably have at least another 20 to 30 hours, I would guess, of just completing story stuff, not even going through and completing all the uh, mysteries and getting all the loot and whatnot. So huge game, and it's it's a lot of fun. It has a good loop, so I like it. Rad. And then I did pick up Sackboy, A Big Adventure, because, you know, my son's like three and a half. And even though he can't really, doesn't have the motor skills to play games, I was hoping he'd like watching me play this one and get into it. 
Yeah. And it's, it's a ton of fun. It takes advantage of the DualSense controller, obviously, since it's a PS5 exclusive. Or maybe it's out on PS4, but it's a Sony exclusive. Right. So it right. takes advantage of the DualSense controller, which is fantastic to be noticing all the details in that controller that we haven't really seen since uh, Astro's Playroom. You know? Yeah. Can you give me some examples of like some of the ways they're using it in the game? I, I'm just fascinated by the dual sense. Like the yeah. fact that even like Xbox is like putting out polls asking its users, like, should we start putting some of these features in the next Xbox controller? Like I'm, I'm really intrigued. So is there like a cool example you can give? Uh, it's, I will say I haven't encountered anything. I'm very early in the game. Yeah. Um, and I haven't encountered anything as, astounding as in astro's playroom yet but mm-hmm. um did you ever play like yoshi's crafted world or anything like that that was on my list of games to check out for so long and then i never picked it up gotcha anyway the scenery is kind of like that and yeah, i only yeah. bring up that to bring up the point that there's a part where you're like traversing through like shag carpeting and it feels like how you would imagine a small toy trying to navigate through shag carpeting like there's a a little bit of like resistance as if you're it's kind of like trying to walk through like a thick tall grass field or something like that like it's like is there like a sense of like friction and like stickiness to it yeah i I almost picture like (laughs) building up static as you like move this sack boy toy anyways that's yeah And the the R buttons and how they respond to like if you pick something up and how hard you press it and how hard it how far it gets thrown and stuff like that. It's just it's remarkable, man. I think it's probably one of the coolest things. I was very skeptical when they were changing the controller and they they nailed it for sure. Rad. So it's fun. And then more to come on that. I think AJ and I are gonna try to team up and play it because there's a lot of co op stuff. Yeah, well, that platinum. He was saying that it is a fun game too. Yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. I I really enjoy it. And then lastly, since I finished Ring Fit Adventure, I decided to pick up another fitness game for the Switch, which is Fitness Boxing Two. Okay. So at the ripe young age of thirty eight, I finally learned how to throw a punch. <laughs> and uh, it's fun, man. It's an ass kicker for sure. It definitely burns more calories faster than uh ring fit i'm not it doesn't have the uh you don't use the ring con or anything obviously as it's not a pilates or yoga based game but it uh definitely isn't as what do i want to say accurate like you, it was hard to fool ring fit adventure right, um, right you basically had to have decent form in your exercise in order to like get credit for doing it I know this pain too well from misunderstanding the form that I need to do. I'm just like being like, what am I doing wrong? My body is shaking. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, this one you can cheese if you want to. Like if you wanted to throw jabs for every single punch, you could. And it would Mm -hmm. tell you excellent job. But, you know, if you're actually trying to get a workout out of it and not trying to cheese it, um, I don't know why you would buy this game and if you were trying to cheese it, but whatever um it's a Except, good what if you're a fitness boxing to speed runner yeah then maybe you then know maybe that's the one use case yeah you, good point good point i'm sure there's at least one of those out there 
Uh, um, gotta gotta yeah, go after it. those number one times. <laughs> exactly. Check me out, mom. I'm number one on the fitness boxing two leaderboards. Uh, uh, good times. Well, what do you say we get to some news? Let's get to it because there's a lot. <laughs> First, I feel like this had to come because I was back on the podcast this week. Uh, the Cyberpunk website has something called Our Commitment, and it's going through not only their supposed commitment to quality, but also their um, timeline for when we can anticipate um, these fixes that they're... Uh, putting out and also free DLC and free next gen upgrade of note, the free DLC comes before the next gen upgrade. And if you're looking at the calendar that they posted, we pulled this from the cyberpunk.net website. If you are following the timeline, it looks like the next gen console update probably isn't until later on this year, much later on this year. If you're, yeah, I think, um, they confirmed it's the second half of the year. Yeah. And just based on this calendar or this timeline alone, it looks like it's towards the later quarter of the calendar year, not the fiscal year. So maybe September, October, something like that. If I were to just guess, take a shot at it. Yeah. Um, did you get a chance to watch, um, the video that was posted at the same time as this. I didn't know. I mean, I, I pulled it up, but I didn't watch yeah. it. It sounds like um, it goes through almost like verbatim the stuff that's covered in the post as well. But it sounded like getting the PS4 version and Xbox One version like stabilized and back, you know, at least operable is a huge priority of theirs. Um, yeah. I agree that this feels a little bit late. Um, it definitely feels like, you know, getting an apology a month later, but I do, I don't know. You know, they started out by saying they're committed to fixing it and they've always been built on this like idea of being really open and communicative with their player base. Um, mm. And this is very communicative and it's very, you know, open about the plans, but could we not have seen some sort of roadmap like this earlier? I don't know. Um, I do appreciate that the, you know, the studio head, I, I can't remember his name, but you know, one of the founders is the person doing the whole video. And he says like, this does not fall on anyone on the team. Like this is, a leadership decision. This is a board decision. And at the end of the day, like we made the call to release the game. So like it is on us and I like to see that accountability. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping that the patches that they're working on, you know, 1.1 and 1.2 really help stabilize it. Cause those are, you know, the January and February patches that they were talking about to yeah. hopefully get things working. Cause I like, 
I don't want to lose the fact that like this was a lot of people's most anticipated game for last year. Yeah. Right. Like I know you were really excited about it and you kind of held off altogether based on the bad news around it. Right. Yeah. Well, I played it for a little bit on my PS five, but then I got in a car like I hijacked a car Mm -hmm. um, and it, like as soon as I entered the car, it flipped off world, like off universe, like in the game, like went to a load screen and then came back and it was like, I would have had to restart it basically. (laughs) And this was about the same time that like everything was coming out about how it was kind of broken on last gen. And I was like, well, I'll just wait till, uh, till that elusive next gen upgrade. And it looks like that's pretty far off still. Yeah, I guess that's my biggest takeaway from looking at this. I wish the uh, free DLC and the next-gen update were like transposed, I guess. Uh, I was hoping for it earlier in the year. Not that it really matters. I mean, if it's not right now when I'm looking to play something, there's plenty of games coming out this year that I'm I'm not going to be lacking games to play, I'm sure. But my concern is that it'll come in like, October when there's tons of stuff to play and am I going to prioritize this game that should have been better when they launched it you know yeah yeah I I think that's like a a really good point like is there a chance that because they missed the mark on launch that cyberpunk ends up being like a little bit lost to bad circumstances and like people who are excited about it don't return to it even when that big update drops you know yeah i think i mean there's game there are games that will come out this year that were developed specifically for this gen of consoles and by that i mean ps5 and xbox one and our xbox series x and like i'm not saying cyberpunk won't look great on these consoles but i i mean i think they made it clear that they're not developing it specifically for these consoles um by the way that they're presenting this information you know they're kind of more targeting last gen which is fine but it just kind of irritates me i guess for sure i also think like i don't know having played it on pc with like even like the computer i have i have no barometer for how good it is but it seems like a pretty good computer like the game can look really beautiful and like i think it like there are moments where the ray tracing like truly makes it feel like wow this is like what video games are supposed to look like in the future sure and that's a cool feeling to get but it's also like a feeling that comes from privilege of like having gotten this good gaming pc and like i am fully aware that a lot of people don't get to see that game look that way (laughs) yeah and i i mean if it i don't know i'd just rather play it on a console so even though it runs considerably better on a pc and i have such a pc to play it on i'd just rather not you know well and you already own it on the ps4 so yeah exactly and i think it's also kind of funny briefly not funny i guess tragic maybe um like cdpr had such good what do you want to say like customer relations and they were so highly touted for being consumer centric with their free DLC that they had for Witcher and all that other stuff. And um, now those things kind of 
get, you know, they they have free DLC for Cyberpunk, but it's always been free. It's not like they took the paid DLC and they're making it free. It's always been free. So it's, it's like they don't have any more stuff to give us to make us feel better about this. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no, there's no like apology in the form of like, to make it up to you, we're doing this. Right. Not to right. say that maybe that's not coming, but it's really hard to tell. Like, I, I feel like if they're going to wait a month to start messaging on it, you would think that that would include like the, and here's how we're going to make it up to you, you know? Yeah. They should just like almost give away Witcher 3, even though everybody pretty much owns it mm-hmm. or something like that. But as they've proven, they'd only give a shit about their stockholders and how they feel. And I'm sure that would make them shit their pants so they won't do that i'm sure and it would probably be costly but i'm just trying to think of like how do you make it they could do (laughs) but anyway fix the game and put it on sale for dirt cheap so that people who don't have it yet or don't have it on the platform that it will run best on can get it right right yeah i don't know anyways they'll figure it out anywho speaking of figuring things out yeah it sounds like It sounds like Disney figured out what they want to do with the Star Wars license in game. Yeah, exactly. And we'll get to that in a minute. But they, um, on StarWars.com, they announced earlier this week that they're, I call it reincarnating, even though I know it's not LucasArts because they shut down LucasArts when Disney bought the Star Wars license or whatever, or bought LucasArts or LucasFilm or whatever they did. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're kind of reincarnating it as Lucasfilm games, which we were all kind of what both excited and confused. Cause I guess to, to me, I thought EA was basically akin to Lucasfilm games for the, until 2023 or something. Yeah. And it looks like that is still the case, but maybe there are things in the works to start happening immediately once that deal ends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, I mean, we were all kind of stoked about this, but cause they announced this first, but before the dust even settled from that, uh, Bethesda tweeted that they, their internal studio machine games, which you might be familiar with from the, uh, I want to say Warhammer, and that's not right. What am I thinking of? Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Yeah. Yeah, the more recent Wolfenstein games, um, Machine Games will be making a Indiana Jones game with a new, all new story and that kind of thing. So, yeah, what do you think about that one, Chris? I think um, having not gotten very far into those Machine Games uh, Wolfensteins, but like being eager to check them out, I think you know the developers that made you kill Nazis becoming the developers that hopefully will have Indiana Jones punching Nazis is a pretty good fit. Um, and I think those games were always really praised for their narrative. And so I imagine that they'll do a good job of kind of embodying like the story beats of Indiana Jones and, and making it a world that's like fun to explore. Um, obviously this isn't the first time that there's been an Indiana Jones game. You know, there's like iconic, um, Indiana Jones point and click adventures and things from way back in the day. But, um, yeah, it looks like Todd Howard's executive producing it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Really weird. I, I, I'm not mad at it. I also, no. 
one thing that I'm aware of is like when Disney like gets into a space and sees that they can be successful in it, they like go all out. I don't know if you follow like the big slate of announcements that they made of like, look at all of the star Wars that we're making now. Look at all of that. Like anytime they announce a slate of new phase stuff for the MCU, right? Like they come out guns blazing once they're committed to something. And yeah. this announcement of Lucasfilm's Lucasfilm games and then the subsequent stuff with Bethesda getting Indiana Jones as a license. And then the, you know, the next little news story that uh, dropped is Ubisoft um, and specifically Massive, which is the team that does the division, is also getting access to the Star Wars license and will be making, I think, an open world Star Wars game, which is kind of where that, you know, is that exclusivity deal done for was kind of confirmed, right, for EA. Yeah, but they didn't, they don't announce a, I guess I just find it strange that unless maybe, I don't know, I'm I'm not a lawyer, but, and maybe this game that Ubisoft is making is coming out like you said, after this exclusive licensing to EA expires. So that's how they get a loophole through to make a deal with Ubisoft. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Or I wonder if there was like, um, I also am not a lawyer, but you know, they could have had some sort of like backdoor thing in the contract that says, you know, if, if certain expectations aren't met, we can start working with other developers this far out from the end of the contract. If we opt to not renew or whatever, right? Like exactly. I I could speculate. I've stared at contracts before, Um, (laughs) but yeah, um, frankly, it, you know, I have EA did make sure to tweet out um, that they are still going to continue working on the star Wars license, which I think means, uh, I would imagine we're likely to see like more fallen order from them. Um, and it looks like they'll continue collaborating with Lucasfilm games. This reminds me a lot of the approach that Marvel game studios was taking, uh, where they would kind of pick and choose the developer that they thought would be best for, for bringing different IP to life. I don't know if that kind of seems like the way that they've approached it, but I don't know. Is there a dev that you want to see given a shot at making a star Wars game? Not, I mean, now that I'm like under pressure and have to actively think about it, of course not, because that's how I am under pressure. But I, and not to like besmirch Ubisoft games or EA, even though I, I mean, EA has it, all of them have their share fare of uh, things we could criticize them about. But I just, I guess I would really like to see a smaller studio get the chance at making a star Wars game, even like devolver digital. If they were, they gave devolver the license or the okay to go with something. I'm sure devolver um, as a publisher could hand it to some studio that they would trust to uh, make an awesome game that would be obscure and something we wouldn't anticipate coming from the star Wars license, you know, kind of like, messenger was or carrion if you enjoyed that game like as an example if carrion play as a rancor instead of a jedi like you know or something like that like i i think there are so many things that can be done and i did just recently read like thrawn and one of my other buddies is 
getting into the Star Wars novels, and there's so much in that universe to take advantage of. Um, give me, I feel like oh, give me like a mobile game where I'm doing a business management sim in a cantina. There you go. See, I would play the shit out of it. Yeah, and dude, Zynga is making a game, presumably mobile, because Zynga makes mobile games, so maybe that's what they're making. Who knows? I would love to see, Um, but I want it to be like from some like indie dev that I love, like the people who make game dev story, you know, give me cantina story. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cantina. Dude, like they have, what's that? There's a bartender game that came out this year, like Neo Bartender or something like that. Oh, well, there's like Neo Cab. Give me a Star Wars universe cab game, you know, where where you're just shipping people across the galaxy. Star Wars freight trucker. Exactly. Star Wars land speeder. Like, yeah, you get driven to Mos Eisley or whatever. I don't know. Star Wars pod racer two from the devs behind burnout. It's not sticking in my head right now, (laughs) but that's already. (laughs) No, you're (laughs) Um, the machine. Yeah. The ones that made the, the Ubisoft developer, massive. They both start with ma machine. Yeah, massive. Ma, massive. I don't know. Anyway, they made uh, Far Cry Three, which I think should give us some faith in their ability to make a very cool open world Star Wars game. In my opinion, yeah. I hopefully. I feel lucky because while I enjoy Star Wars, I am certainly not invested. Does that make sense? Like if there's a great game that happens to be in the Star Wars universe, that's a win for me. And I don't have to check out the ones that are mediocre because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Does that make sense? Yep. And so I completely am with you. I am hopeful that these deals bear a lot of good fruit and a lot of like cool creative projects for people. Um, it does break my heart a little bit that, you know, I'm, I'm always one who's like interested in some new IP. And so anytime, you know, Disney entering, a any form of media, um, lately has been super reliant on existing IP and just mining and drilling down into their IP. And so, yeah, I think if they're entering the space in this big way with Lucasfilm games, with Marvel game studios, like there is a good chance that a lot of that original IP work is going to start being suffocated potentially yeah. more so than oh, already has been. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, but it's still, it's, uh, yeah, it is. And yeah, I always liked the Indiana Jones games when they were called uncharted. So if they're anything like those, I know I will be excited. But like talk about stiff competition, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I feel bad for them if that's kind of the play style they're going to for. But I mean a lot of people slap a different sticker on it and people will like it, you know. So I do don't know, it's think, exciting. Do you think they can get away with making an an Indiana Jones game that is that like third person action adventure narrative game? Or do you think they have to do something that's like differentiating, you know? Uh, I think, I don't think they have to. 
I honestly think that they could make it similar to Uncharted or something like that, and people will still go for it just because it has the Lucasfilm and Indiana Jones label on it, and people, if they put enough Easter eggs in there and stuff, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they would get away with it either way, but... yeah. I and I I'm, I say this as somebody who's looking forward to it and would probably play it and love it if it was just an Uncharted game with an Indiana Jones label on the front. Like, I I'm sure I would like it. So, by all means. Uh, th- anywho. Lastly, in the news, we pulled this from Chris Welch at The Verge. Um, Stadia and Nvidia GeForce are coming to. LG TVs later this year, which is kind of cool, I think, even though Stadia, I don't really care about that, but the GeForce Now thing I find pretty exciting. I think this is, you know, I think there are people who navigate to Netflix or Amazon Prime or hbo with a remote for their tv and it's just a way that they access something as a channel and i think this is like fantastic and i think it's likely that we will see a similar thing happen eventually with you know x cloud whether it's branded as like xbox app or whatever it's branded as right like i think it's inevitable that we see more of these especially now that the dam is burst with these first ones how do you get the controller into the home that will play nicely with someone's television? Because this is something I've thought about a lot, right? Because this does really feel like one of the ways that those streaming services reach a bigger audience, but like you have to have a controller. Yeah. I think in my opinion, Amazon has the market kind of cornered on that regard because they ship packages on a regular basis. So all you would have to do is from their perspective is say, if you spend, say you're buying a hundred dollars worth of something on amazon.com, they'll include a free Luna controller. If you click this box or whatever, Mm -hmm. like, so you don't have to get it, but you can get it. And then that's your like installation point into Amazon Luna. But as far as like, I mean, Google does that sometimes with their other products like uh, Google Home so that they can listen to all your conversations um, and stuff like that. Like, I think I got a Google Home for free because I had Spotify or something like that. So, I mean, there are ways to do it, but I think you're absolutely right. Like, that's the next step is getting those in people's houses so that they engage with the content because that's the only way you'll get people who currently aren't gamers or currently only play games on their cell phones to engage with it on their uh, televisions, you know? Yeah. Well, hear me out on this one. Say this eventually comes to Samsung televisions. We've already seen Samsung partner super closely with Xbox around having xCloud streaming through the Xbox app on Android devices, specifically the, you know, the Samsung Galaxy phones, right? They had a big push with like the S20 and all of that when they were launching, right? Yeah. Say an Xbox controller is just packed in with the next like brand new Samsung television that everyone buys. Yeah, 
Absolutely. You know, the groundwork and already there. That's not a big ask because you're already spending thousands of dollars or on a TV or at least several hundred dollars on a TV. Like, yeah, what the sixty or seventy dollar controller thrown in the box? Here's my get you here's the real question. If you went out and bought a TV from like LG and they had like a proprietary LG game controller packed in, would you ever use it? Uh, that like connected no. to all these streaming services, but like was the, the pack in controller for being able to access the game streaming. It totally depends on like how well designed the controller is because we're kind of spoiled because True. we as gamers were used to playing with these high end, like we were just talking about the dual sense controller, which I'm not, I'm pretty sure dual sense is compatible with a lot of these uh, streaming services, even though Sony's not just Sony's alone. So I feel like we're kind of not necessarily the best use case for that, yes. but you may, you bring up a good point. Like it doesn't, necessarily even have to be an xbox series x controller it could be a lower end something that they use just to get people engaged with the content so um that way they're even spending less money getting it in your hands but yeah i think you're you're definitely onto something i i think and i think you're right like they'll definitely start packaging controllers of some sort in with tvs i would guess Time will tell. Anything. I'm so gotta... I'm so interested in seeing how this goes, and I really hope it pushes game streaming to like the next level because I think having been so impressed with what Game Pass is so far, I do buy into that being like a super valid way to just engage with games in the future. Yeah, I think. I mean, maybe even I would engage with it more if it was available on my TV easily. You know, mm -hmm. and the other thing is like what kind of fidelity are you working with when it's not going through an HDMI or, you know, to your Xbox through an HDMI cable to your TV or whatever, if it's directly going from your ethernet to your TV, you know, uh, the fidelity is presumably considerably better. So I don't know. All of these things sound like the future is, is very close. We're living the future right now. Yeah, and it's dude, it's certainly going to be considerably different the next time consoles are launching, you know, in say seven years from now, uh, when PS6 and Xbox, whatever dumbass name they come up with for the next one is coming out. It's definitely going to look a lot, a lot different for sure. I wouldn't be surprised at all if, say, Xbox doesn't even have a console next gen and playstation does or something like that you know i was gonna say yeah is is the, the is there a next xbox box or is there a i don't think there will be a clean generational break for xbox i think there's a playstation 6 and i think there's just further iterations on xbox the way that there's further iterations on the iphone yeah i wouldn't disagree with that at all i don't know if i would put a bet on it but that's what i think yeah, it's best not to because chances are seven years ago, the bets we would have made were way off base from where things are currently. Oh my gosh. I wish I had the hindsight 
like perfect vision to like remember what I thought games would be like seven years <laughs> in the future. I know. Years Me ago. too. Hey, real quick, and just because we're we did talk about Star Wars, and we're not even close to an hour yet, so I did want to bring this up briefly. There was a update to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order for next gen consoles, which takes advantage of a lot of the features available on next gen consoles. But one thing, one glaring <laughs> absence from this update, and that is fast travel. Yeah. It, Why? It's still Why? not getting added. So uh, my timing on playing that game could not have been worse, huh? <laughs> yeah, kind of, man. But because I mean, I feel like if you want to go back at, back and be a completionist, in my opinion, the only way I would do that is if I started another playthrough because there's no way I could remember how to navigate around and, and what that kind of did stuff. and what did you not like? I mean, the map does like an okay job of indicating what you have and haven't found, but yeah, but the map's not great. If I remember correctly, it's very similar to like the control map where it's certainly can be used for navigation, but I mean, relying upon it, solely is not a good idea because you it's just not very good you know yeah so the thing that i think is really cool is you know they put out these 60 fps modes on series x and then like a 4k post-processing mode it's like the non-performance mode on series x and then um there's just like a solid 60 fps um 1440p mode on ps5 but just i don't know i again like this was kind of the thing that had me excited about the now current gen of consoles is like developers being able to go back and just be like, yeah, it just runs better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. It makes you kind of wonder sometimes like, like you came to this game a little bit later than the rest. Like sometimes we pay the price by being on the like quote unquote cutting edge of games, like buying them the day of release and that kind of thing. Like later on it's realized that, oh, this got way better or they patched this or that or the other thing. And, and I got it for uh, like one third of the price. Exactly. Yeah. Well, like, Exactly, but you did, didn't wait long enough, man. But that's the curse. Like, So as a person who like, I'm clearly the person on the podcast who keeps up with new games the least. Um, well, maybe Angie other than Angie. Really play everything yeah. when it comes out. But I've now cursed myself because speaking of like, games getting patches you know what game i was really excited to play on the next gen witcher 3 that was supposed oh. to be the, the first one i dipped my toe in finally but then they're like yeah. oh there's gonna be a patch later a big next gen patch and i was like well shit yeah and you get it for free i better i better wait i gotta have the optimal experience with this game at this point you should because you've already waited five and a half years so what's another few months I know or whatever or next year probably because they're too busy figuring out cyberpunk I think to worry about anything else at this point. I I think CD Projekt is big enough that they have multiple branches of their CD Projekt Red to work on those different things. But maybe not, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they want to keep that I mean specific, you know. You're probably right, man, but I can't imagine they they were not having all hands on deck doing cyberpunk right now but what do i know Just never once developed a game never even tried every single Don't person looks too hard in the studio all yeah, exactly getting that game somewhat close to what they promised everyone exactly 
Um, you got a mostly normal question? I have a mostly normal question that's just for you, John. Okay. Last week, you were not able to make it on the podcast, and we talked a little bit about what our most anticipated games of 2021 are. And I would like to pose that question to you because I'm really curious to hear if there's anything that's on your radar that you're like super excited about. Um, yeah, I think primarily horizon forbidden West probably because I loved that first game. Mm. I think officially my game of the year was Mario Odyssey, but, um, seeing that hindsight is 2020 and now that we're, three and a half years or so removed from when I was making that statement. I think her, the one that sticks in my mind, certainly the most is um, horizon zero dawn. So I think the, that and ratchet and clank, I I've always loved the ratchet and clank games. And I know there was such a uh, barrage of ratchet and clank games on the PS two and PS three era that, um, we kind of lost our taste for it, but I'm kind of excited to see what they, how Insomniac utilizes like the dual sense and the, Oh my God. Um, oh, go ham on the dual sense. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, man. Every it's one of those guns is going to feel so different. Yeah. And the trigger, like kick feedback and stuff like that, like how you, each weapon not only feels when you fire it, but how hard the trigger is and, I'm I'm sure they're just gonna yeah, kill it. I hadn't even so. put that together. That's brilliant. Yeah, I don't, know that I don't you like it's kind of cool that they made Ratchet and Clank like a rare commodity after how many of them came out on the PS2 era and then also PS3, right? Like now it's like a rare yeah. treat. You know, it's something that yeah, you, they build up excitement and I I think yeah, it's we like, just got the remake on PS4 and I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong. I still need to play uh, that game. Yeah, it's good, man. They're all they're all good, but yeah. Right. Someday when we get a PS4 in your hands. PS <laughs> I have it. It's it's plugged in. Oh, you do? Yeah, I have a PS4. Hi, AJ? No, no, I've had a PS4. Oh, you just want a pro. Well, I mean, you know, it's always nice to like scooch the bar up a little bit higher. Be just one step behind rather than a two steps behind i would have i would love to take advantage of the tv that it's plugged into you know like yeah for sure (laughs) hey speaking of that tv i don't know how much of this i went into on the podcast but like my xbox and my tv are finally playing nice together like two months after buying the xbox nice and it was nothing to do with the xbox it's literally all roku's fault oh yeah dude you gotta be make sure you got all the stuff plugged in. Did I tell you that I found out on my like Sony TV that only two of the four inputs are can output in HDMI 2.0. So interesting. All this time I thought it was one. I thought it was all four of the inputs and two, once I learned that it was only two of them, I assumed that it was one and two where it has, it's not, it's, input two and three. Oh, of course. Yes. Two and three. That yeah. makes the most sense. So I haven't been taking advantage of like the premium aspects of my TV for almost three years now. So, so it's like you got a brand <laughs> new TV funny. just by changing what input you're using. Yeah, it kind of was. It's pretty awesome. But yeah, we're getting to the point where 
like we used to always make fun of PC gaming because it's so esoteric and requires so much thought and input to your settings and stuff. And I feel like even as console gamers, we're getting there with um, the aspects of the TV and the settings of a console that we have to deal with on a regular basis. So anywho, and no, what do you say we get the hell out of here? Just to like finalize that, my experience yeah. with PC gaming outside of like fine tuning the settings on <laughs> cyberpunk so that my computer runs it optimally is like, yeah, I just kind of like sit down and it works and the updates are all pretty downloaded fast. And it, I don't know, it just kind of works, which is what I remember liking about console gaming, but don't let yeah. me hear myself say that, you know, exactly. Anyways, let's get out. Your PC can hear you, man. You got a Google Chrome tab open on your PC right now. It's hearing you and it's going to get its payback. I do. I'm, I mean, it's hearing me right now because I'm recording into it for the podcast, John. There's a microphone right in front of my face. Dude, we don't think these things through. Oh, that's a disaster. Yeah, it's not good. Anywho, <laughs> what do you say we get the hell out of here for this week? Thank you, Chris, for uh, joining me this week. It's kind of a skeleton crew. Our other two co-hosts weren't feeling uh, up to par, so... Send Whether some love to the whole team this week, please. I, we all yeah. could use it, um, especially AJ and Angie, though. They both deserve some shout outs. Yeah. And the 20,000 National Guards that have to uh, babysit the inauguration because of our insane douchebag of a president that we currently have in office. So uh, make sure you send your prayers, thoughts, and uh, good vibes their way also. Yes, absolutely. Um, if you have to direct them to one or the other please send it towards all of the state capitals and the u.s capital for the next week exactly uh with that said you can find me on the twitterverse at johnny samsonite chris where can people find you you can find me at vg occasion on twitter where you talk about vgs on occasion yes vgs and only vgs (laughs) You can also follow the podcast at MN Gamers Podcast. Um, you can sign up for our newsletter, Mostly Normal Monthly, at mngamers.substack.com or at our website, mostlynormalgamers.com. If I didn't say this already, you can email us at podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. Yeah. You can follow AJ at AJ underscore ID. You can follow on Twitter. Angie at Stellar Smalls on Twitter. Yeah. That's it. That's all we got. Yeah. Go play some games and try not to stress out too much about our current situation in this country. Yeah. Don't. Because you got video games to play. Don't despair. Just. We'll we'll be all right, everyone. We'll be all right. We're one week away. Literally. Literally. Okay. So five days by the time you're here. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Play games. Protect democracy. Yep, love one another. Yeah, treat each other well. Bye. Exactly. (laughs) Bye.